And I said, God, I'm standing in faith, like I'm believing that I'm healed. Why do I not see it? And he sent me to the verse that said, faith is without seeing. We have to believe it without seeing it. Hi, I'm Danielle. Welcome to the Birth Journeys podcast. It is my belief that our birth journey has a lasting impact that goes far beyond delivery. It is my hope that through these stories, you would find the insight, tools, and the courage to go on and have your own positive and empowering birth journey. Just as a reminder, any information you hear on this podcast is meant to inform and encourage you on your birth journey and not intended to replace advice from your medical professional. Welcome back to the Birth Journeys Podcast. Today we have Carissa on and she's going to be sharing her stories with us. Hi, Carissa. Thank you for taking the time to come on and share your stories. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So why don't you start out by giving us a few little tidbits about yourself? So my name is Carissa Collins. Um, we, we have, I've been married, let me think, 16 years. Uh, me and my husband, we have 10 children. So I have a lot of birth experience. Um, we pastor a home church. I lead a Bible study. I homeschool. Um, I'm, a, I'm a photographer. And I have an online boutique. And I'm a social media influencer. <laughs> wow, you have a lot going on. <laughs> I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, so where do you like to say that your birth journey begins? Uh, definitely begins before I considered having children, I guess. Um, so I grew up not wanting to be a mom. I actually thought motherhood sounded gross. And I know that's kind of the way culture is going these days. Um, like the mom genes, I just thought being a mom was lame and boring and disgusting and so my whole goal when we got married was to be some famous singer um to have life all about me and to never have to take care of a child i never really liked children um and then god came in and totally changed my heart and told us to get off birth control and to start trusting him with how many children we have and i got pregnant pretty soon after that and now, um, I mean, I have 10 kids now. So now children are the most amazing blessing gift I believe anybody could ever receive. And mm -hmm. it didn't just, it's not just like the child blesses me uh, or that I bless the child or the children have completely changed who I am. So like everything about me is different. The second I had that first child, like you cannot even explain it. Like people always ask me, what's it like to be a mom? You can't even tell somebody the feelings you have when you give birth, the love that comes, the um, way God fills you and the way God sanctifies you and changes you through giving birth is priceless and there's no words for it. Hmm. So what was that like? Um, obviously you had an encounter with God to, um, you know, and he changed your heart towards, um, you know, the, the way that you thought about having children and stuff. So what was that like when you first found out you were pregnant with your first one after 
going many years of having the attitude of not wanting any and then him changing you like was it just immediate joy or was there any sort of like of the past negative feelings attached to it well the day that me and my husband changed our our hearts on it we were in a church service and the pastor was preaching about what it looks like to trust god and it had nothing to do with children or how many children you have but me and my husband both got the same message we left the church service and we said we trust god with every single area of our life except when to have children and if we should have children and we had like the typical five-year plan you get married you wait five years you travel you enjoy each other um, and i don't believe that that's god's plan after um, god changed my heart he really showed me like he can be trusted to give us children in his timing and so it was pretty much an immediate change because my heart went from living for what i want to living for what he wants and just like the excitement of what he has in store for us completely like changed everything so it was um, an immediate change now i have had like those many of those moments in my journey of motherhood where i found it really hard to find joy in motherhood so i've gone through like seasons of motherhood um but initially it was an immediate change like my heart was immediately changed and i saw the joy and the desire and the passion in what he called me to hmm. i love that i love that he can just come in and take over and completely change a heart with you know just his touch it's beautiful <laughs> so when you had or found out you were pregnant with your first baby what kind of care did you choose for your pregnancy and birth so i had never actually really heard of home birth so my first pregnancy i was very naive to birth i had no i i didn't have anybody in my life that taught me about it that told me anything other than like my mom is very go to the doctor go to the hospital for everything so my first birth was very uh hospital everything they said i listened i believed i did um, I had no idea what to expect. The only book anybody ever gave me was what to expect. I'm sure you know what book I'm talking about. I can't yeah. think of what, what to, to expect. expect when you're expecting. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I definitely read that book, but I still, you know, I still felt like I had no idea um, what to do. Mm -hmm. So what was that first labor like then going in just kind of not really knowing what to do and doing everything that they told you? Um, my first labor was actually amazing until I got to the hospital and they didn't know how to handle, like every everybody has different births and pregnancies and they have different experiences, but I guess they'd never experienced um, the labor that I had. So I didn't have I didn't have any pain at all in my labor. I actually, like my water just breaks. I have every single baby I've ever had, my water breaks. And I hear a lot of women, their water doesn't break, which is a good thing because I guess you have less pain. But anyway, my water broke on my due date and I didn't have any pain. Um, I go to the hospital and they're like, it's gonna be a lot, a long time. 
sorry, my kids. Um, it's okay. They, they said it's going to be a long time until you give birth and you're not dilated that far. So it's going to be a while. So I didn't have any pain. I didn't feel any contractions. I didn't have any idea what to expect. They asked me if I wanted an epidural and I'm like, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any pain. And so I said no. And then all of a sudden I had the worst pain of my life. Like at, I can't even, it felt like I had to go to the bathroom really bad, but mm -hmm. I just didn't even like know what to expect. And so I was like, oh, my contractions must be starting. So I asked to go to the bathroom and they, and I thought that that was going to be like the beginning of a 10 hour crazy pain. So I just got the epidural because I didn't know any better. They didn't check me before giving me the epidural and so I got the epidural and as soon as they were done with the epidural, they checked me and I was almost 10 centimeters. Wow. So the pain I was feeling was actually the baby trying to come out and mm -hmm. I didn't like, I went from, I think like two centimeters to 10 in less than an hour. Wow. Um, so I ended up having to wait like two hours to even try to give birth because I had gotten the epidural. Mm. Um, and then they still didn't believe me that I was going to have the baby soon. So my, my husband ended up catching that baby. Wow. And then I, and then I went on to have like two years of back pain from the epidural. Ugh. Yeah. That's wild. That's one of those risks that you don't hear much about when it comes to epidurals. <laughs> yeah. Is the, yeah, the, that can happen. So was, was anybody in the room besides you and your husband when the baby came out or? No. No. Wow. That's actually kind of neat. Or did it freak you out at the time? <laughs> um, I think it definitely, it didn't really freak me out, but it definitely, well, maybe it did. And that was a long time ago, so I don't totally remember. <laughs> but it definitely freaked my husband out. My husband had no idea what was going on or what to expect. And every, like all the doctors just left. Like they made it seem like we didn't know what we were talking about, which we didn't. Um, but... Yeah, it's scary when you've never given birth and mm -hmm. you just have a baby and you don't know what to do because it, the hospital experience makes it sound like so medical and almost like a disease that you have to treat rather than a baby that we naturally know how to take care of and that we naturally know how to birth. Mm -hmm. And so that experience definitely was scary because they just put so much fear around childbirth. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely had to unlearn a lot of things. Yeah, I think that's unfortunately pretty common. <laughs> yeah. For that, yeah, that, that mindset and those experiences. Yeah, so how was your recovery then with that first birth? So I think I remember thinking that it was terrible, but now 10 babies in, I'm like, no, it was amazing. <laughs> because, mm -hmm. like, your very first baby, you don't gain as much weight, and, like, your body is already pretty small when you give birth really young. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would love that recovery these days, but I think my first birth, the epidural, made my recovery really rough. Actually, no, let me think. Hold on. Yeah, I'm getting my first and second birth mixed up. But my first birth, I do remember the epidural caused so many issues that my recovery was hard. My hardest, I had postpartum depression so bad my first birth. Um, I had my mind set on breastfeeding. And my baby actually didn't eat for two weeks because she wouldn't latch and my milk wouldn't come out. Wow. 
Um, and my, I remember my husband and like, I got the, the hospital grade pump. I paid, like my mom paid a lot of money to get the pump and my, my breasts won't pump milk. So like I tried that and my baby was screaming, but I refused, like I refused to give her formula. And finally one night in the middle of the night, my mom and my husband, um, snuck her some formula. And I just remember feeling like such a failure and it caused me to have severe, severe postpartum depression. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and so that was definitely the hardest part of birth ever is the postpartum. Um, but I also remember having, and I remember just crying and having like, they would be like, why are you crying? And I had no idea why I was crying. Um, so yeah, my first recovery was very, very difficult because when you are, when you have your first baby, I don't feel like anybody ever tells you about postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, like all you hear about is the pregnancy and the birth and you don't realize that the postpartum is probably the hardest part of everything. Your body is like feels out of whack. Anthem. Your body feels out of whack and uh, you just feel a complete mess and a, like a failure if it doesn't go exactly how, how you have it planned. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that women should be um, told more about the postpartum and like to give yourself grace and to let your body rest. Because I remember the day after I gave birth, I went straight to the mall. Like I just wanted oh, wow. to get out. I wanted everybody to see my baby. I was so proud and had so much love. Like I had so much joy and then so much sadness because I couldn't give my baby everything that I thought that I could. So that was definitely very hard. But I do remember I had baby fever immediately for another baby. Even though I had postpartum depression, I could not wait to have another child. Hmm. So when did that end up happening? So uh, most of my children are 18 months apart. So I believe I got pregnant when my baby was eight months, but I do remember trying really hard to get pregnant and I just never would. Um, which is why a lot of people believe that if you just have sex, you'll just get pregnant. And I am a firm, firm, firm believer that if you trust God to give you a baby in his timing, you can have sex when you are, um, fertile as much as you want and you're not going to have a child until God has the perfect time for you. Mm-hmm. I've actually put him to the test in that because I have so many people that say you have to use your own wisdom and you have to do things your own way. And it's obvious science that if you are with your husband, you're just going to get pregnant and it's all on you. And so I was like, God, I don't believe that. So I need you to prove me, prove to me that that's wrong. And so I think I did like two months of being intimate every single day, except for my period. And I never got pregnant. Wow. It took a long time till I got pregnant. I mean, in my eyes is a long time. Eight months is not a long time, but in my eyes, it was a long time because I was super ready. Mm-hmm. So my second baby, I was determined I was not going to get an epidural. I was going to do an all natural birth. And, uh, we went again, we went the hospital route. I don't believe at that time I had even heard of the home birth option. And my husband did not want to pay for a birthing center because our insurance covers hospitals, but it does not cover midwives or birthing centers. So my second birth, 
um, was terrible, like so bad. Um, I refused the, so they had to, they induced me. So my pregnancies are very, very hard. My, apparently my frame, my body frame is very small and I have a very tiny torso. And so one, I, once I hit like eight months pregnant, my body is done. I also was on birth control for, let me think, six months, almost six months to a year after we got married, because that was just what I was told to do. And I ended up having so many health issues from the birth control. Like I had many strokes. I had, um, they diagnosed me with MS finally once wow. I got pregnant with, well, maybe it's this second pregnancy. They diagnosed me with MS and they told me it was from my birth control. Um, I had tests all the time. I would black out like three times a day. It was very scary. All from, it was Yaz, the Yaz birth control. And there were lawsuits all over the place about that birth control. Mm -hmm. um, and so that made my pregnancies really, really hard. Like my body would just shut down. Um, and the doctor told me after my second baby that I would die if I continued to have children. They also told me that my first baby was seven two seven four. And they told me that she was too big for my body, that I have a small build, and that if I had a baby bigger than that, that it would the baby wouldn't come out. Wow. Um, they, they also did an episiotomy with my first child. I think that, is that what it's called? Yeah, where they cut you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just let them do whatever. So my first child was 7'4", and they, they cut me. So that made recovery very hard also. So my second child, I was determined I'm not getting an epidural, but I did um, push to be induced because I was so miserable, which I completely regret. So anyone listening, never, ever, 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 mm -hmm. ever get an induction. It is torture, terrible for you and terrible for your baby. So I got the induction and my labor was so painful. And at my first labor, I had no pain. My second child, it was awful. Like I felt like I was dying and I am a silent birther. So I'm sitting there refusing to make a noise. My mom came to my second birth, but I felt like I was dying. Um, they, I ended up pushing him out. He, they told me he was going to be 10 pounds and that I wouldn't be able to deliver him. He ended up being 7'11". And when he came out, I, like he looked, he did not look anything like my first child. And I was in so much pain. I didn't even know he had come out. Like that's how crazy it was. Wow. He had come out and I was still in the exact same amount of pain. And I, they put him on my chest and I said, get him away from me. I didn't think he was my child. Like it was really, really bad. Um, and again, breastfeeding. He would, this, my second child would latch, but my, I have some kind of issue with my breasts and I still to this day cannot figure out. I've had over a hundred lactation consultants try to find out what's wrong, but like he only drank blood for like the first two weeks. I don't know why, but milk won't come out, but blood does. I don't know. So, um, I ended up switching him to formula. Um, just so that he could actually drink something other than blood. Um, 
but yeah, my second birth was so hard. And I remember the doctors trying to force me to get pain meds. And then I had a male nurse who tried to help me with breastfeeding and he was so inappropriate and so rude. So that whole hospital experience was awful. Like I hated every second of it. They were trying to force me to do things I didn't want to do. And um, I was just treated very badly by the male nurse. So um, my third child, I did the hospital birth again. And I don't remember that birth that much. Like, I feel like I have no memory from that birth. So I'll skip past that one. Um, my fourth child, uh, my water broke at home. And we again went to the hospital route. When my water broke, it was all blood. And so my house looked like a murder scene. Um, and, and so my husband rushed, rushed me to the hospital. And I was so scared that me and the baby were going to die that I just got an epidural. And the baby came out very quickly with the cord wrapped around her neck, like three times. Um, and so they still have no idea why I, there was so much blood. But I really didn't need the epidural because she came out like almost right away. Um, but she did, they did luckily take the cord off of her neck and she was fine. Mm -hmm. That's really all I remember about that birth. The fifth birth, I don't fully remember either, but it was at the hospital. Um, okay, but I do remember my sixth birth. So this is one of the ones I really wanted to talk about. So my sixth birth, actually, you know what? Correction. My fifth birth, I learned about supernatural childbirth. I don't know if you guys have heard of that book. Mm -hmm. uh, it is pain-free where God can give you a pain-free childbirth. And so I was determined with my fifth birth that I was going to pray for and believe for a pain-free birth. And I spent a good amount of my pregnancy um, learning about it, reading that book, and being like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. My fifth birth was not pain-free, and my postpartum was very hard because I was kind of mad at God. And I don't believe in being mad at God, but I was really upset that my birth was painful when I had, in my eyes, trusted God to give me a pain-free birth. Hmm. So I said, I'm never doing that again. Well, I got pregnant with my sixth baby, and God said, you're going to have a pain-free birth. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm never doing that again. Like, when you are hoping for something, you don't get it. That's just devastating. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. nope. But God was like, yes, you are. So I, this time I really spent the entire pregnancy preparing myself. And also I told my husband, because my husband was not, he did not support me in my fifth birth for it to be pain-free. And I really needed his prayers and his covering. And so he came into agreement with me with this sixth birth um, for it to be pain-free. And so... I had all these verses printed out and I had spent the entire nine to 10 months of pregnancy preparing and planning with God, meditating on scriptures, like knowing what his word says and believing that he will give me a pain-free birth. I just had to surrender the pain and the fear. The biggest thing, pain often comes from fear. And so I had to give God all of my fear and trust him completely to give me a pain-free birth. So my sixth birth is the most amazing experience of my life. Um, 
my water broke. I went to the hospital. I was like four or five centimeters dilated and had apparently was having lots of contractions and didn't feel a thing. And so I had my verses, I had my worship playlist going and they had me hooked up to the monitors and I didn't feel anything. I just kept saying verses and just worshiping. Well, um, my doctor was on an airplane, like my favorite doctor that was supposed to deliver my baby. And so they sent me the doctor on call. The doctor on call is the doctor that kind of cursed me the pre like three pregnancies before that. I had a really, really, really bad miscarriage where I almost died. And she told me that she was glad that I was miscarrying because my babies oh my would have been word. too close. Yeah. What? It was very traumatizing. <clears throat> so this doctor, like I fired her a long time ago and... um she was the doctor on call that was oh, going no. to deliver my supernatural actually it was two pregnancies before but she was mm -hmm. going to deliver my supernatural birth um and so all of a sudden i started to feel pain because i was mm -hmm. so angry that this doctor was going to deliver my baby i went into prayer and god was like what do you think i'm doing like open your eyes i need oh. this doctor to see this pain-free birth. I need her to wow. see my glory. And I was like, of course, of course. That's how God operates. Like, why would he give just a pain-free birth for a doctor that already, like, knows my face? Mm -hmm. So um, I gave God my anger about this doctor and went straight back into not feeling anything. So I, my body wasn't dilating very fast. So I got to a nine and it kind of stalled and we were just sitting there and I was laughing. Um, I was talking to nurses and the doctor came in and she's like, you're at a nine and you're laughing. I don't know what's going on. Like, what is wrong? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I am believing and trusting God. And this is what God does. Like I am, I just have no fear. So she had like 10 interns come in because all they ever see is screaming births. And so she had 10 interns come in. So my room was full of doctors wow. and nurses and they were like, you have to watch this. Um, so I was at a nine centimeters. So the doctor was like, well, let's just push the baby out. We don't need to wait till you get till 10. And I'm like, okay. So up until this point, you remember when she, the, the doctor cut me my first birth well, all my births so far, I have torn like pretty big tears in giving birth. Okay, so just remember that. So the doctor tells me to start pushing. And I'm like, okay, you're going to have to tell me when because I cannot feel if I'm having a contraction. Like I'm telling you, I felt nothing. I didn't feel my body tightening. I didn't feel anything. I had no idea when I was contracting. Wow. So they had me hooked up and they would tell me when I had a con like when to push. So I would just push. Like, I was like, am I doing anything? Cause I feel nothing. Um, and then I don't remember how many pushes it wasn't that many, like maybe six pushes. And then the baby came out. The one thing I did feel was the ring of fire. Um, but the craziest thing. Okay. So I ended up giving birth to almost, no, she was nine pounds. Okay. So, so far my biggest baby, nine pound baby girl. Hmm. And her name was angel. So she was our, let me think, one, two, three, four, five. She was our fifth girl. 
And so we only had one boy and we were all, the day we found out she was a girl, we were all devastated. Like I have pictures. It's hilarious. My kids are crying because we're having a girl. (laughs) And on our way home, the Lord said, quit crying. You're going to name her angel and she's going to be an angel and you're going to regret wishing you had a boy. And so I named her angel and her birth was angelic. And this child is the most loving, sensitive to the spirit child I've ever met in my life. She is so like she'll any commercial, any TV show, any movie while we're worshiping, she it feels the spirit so strong and she cries like spiritually crying all the time. She is so empathetic and every person she meets, she hugs them for like an hour. Like (laughs) she's always hugging and kissing and yeah. So anyway, I gave birth to an angel and she was one of my biggest babies. I did not tear at all, which is insane. And uh, I felt no pain except for the ring of fire. So that was, and my postpartum was amazing. It was just like the most amazing experience ever. Mm, Sounds like quite, yeah, like angelic experience. Totally. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I relate with you when, um, like with your, what you said, I think it was with your fifth birth, how you were believing for the pain-free birth and then it didn't happen and being upset with God and, and all of that. But, um, Cause I had a very similar experience with my, um, my second daughter, but, um, but I do know that like, we can believe for that and that, you know, yeah. it can happen. So have you a had a pain-free birth? No, I haven't. Mm-mm. No. Okay. I've had quite painful births uh-huh. <laughs> actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But so I know it can happen. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't have one, I don't know if I'd believe that it could, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I am just a testimony to say it can. Yeah. And it was amazing. And then to see my husband witness it, like my husband's faith skyrocketed. And he like still tells that story to this day. So it was just so cool how many people that God touched. Like my doctor, I'd never seen anything like it. And I really believe her faith grew that day. So it's just cool how... God answers prayers and uses them like to get all the glory. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. I love it. Now all of that to say, I have not had another pain. I've had one close to pain-free birth, but my other births after that, you would think, Oh, you figured out the secret, right? There isn't a secret to pain-free birth. It is simply And it's not simple. I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simply surrendering and giving it to God. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things that play into that. And so I'll touch on that a little bit um, when I get to my 10th baby, because I got the opposite effect because of the fear that I experienced. Um, But one thing I did miss is um, I had a, after my fourth baby, I got pregnant and I don't know if you, have you heard of a blighted ovum? I have heard of that. Yes. Okay. So I had a blighted ovum pregnancy, which means my body was pregnant, but a baby never formed. I had never heard of that in my life when I went to, and this is the doctor that was happy that I had a blighted ovum. When I went to the sonogram, she was like, oh, you're going to miscarry. Thank goodness because your baby is only like two months old. 
And I was so angry. So I found a new doctor and I prayed for 18 weeks, okay? 18 weeks, I prayed that God will put a baby in my belly. They told me to um, get a DNC because what happens is your body still um, has the sac and it still grows. So I looked 18 weeks pregnant with no baby. Wow. Um, and I refused to get a DNC. And so the day that I finally miscarried um, the sack, I pretty much died. It was really crazy. I bled out. And by the time I got to the ER, I went blind. Um, I was on fire. Like my whole body was physically like I... I felt like I was in hell. And I think when I think back to it, I think God was trying to wake me up. Um, and I remember thinking, I, I grabbed my husband's hand and I was like, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to die. I don't think I'm going to heaven. And I was raised in the church. I went to Bible college. My life was, I went to church every Sunday. I led worship at my church. I was all about God, I thought. And after that birth, after that miscarriage, um, and they had like, I heard a crash cart coming in. And then I woke up the next day, I think at my house, after they had done a DNC to finish cleaning out my body. And uh, God used that experience to show me that I was not right with him. I, might, I thought I was living for God, but what I was really doing was I was living for me and then adding God on top of it. So I still had my life all about me, my wants and my desires, but I just put God on top. So I said, I went to church and I did the right things, the things that you're supposed to do to be a Christian. I looked to the part, but I hadn't actually given my life to God. Hmm. So in other words, like I, um, he says, if you don't die to yourself. So I'd never even heard that verse until I started reading the Bible, I think three years later. It took me three years to actually, I'd, I'd read the Bible many times, but I'd never really read it to read it. I just read it for a grade. Um, so three years later, I decided, or God convicted me to start reading the Bible and not devotions. And that's when I, heard, I read the verses, if you don't die to yourself, then you can't follow Christ. Like you must die to your flesh. And it took me a while to understand what that means. But if we are living for ourselves, then we are not, we, are, we haven't given our life to Christ. Like we have to be willing to do whatever, like do anything for him. And too many Christians are just like getting their favorite, living in their favorite careers, getting their favorite houses, buying their favorite cars, doing all these sports, but that none of it has purpose. And they haven't asked God, what do you want me to do? What purpose and calling do you have for me? And like, I will say the hard things I have to say, no matter what people think or say about me. It has been a very hard journey um, living for Christ, but the most rewarding. I mean, I just can't even explain. It's it's hard to explain how you have yeah. so much joy and so much hate towards mm -hmm. towards, you know, like so much hate put on you, but so much joy because you know that you're, the Lord loves you more than anybody ever could. And you just mm. want to do his will. Yeah. So this miscarriage, um, like opened my eyes that I was not right with God. So it was a blessing in disguise. I was really upset with God for a long time. 
Like, why would you put my body through that? Why would you do that? And um, it allowed me to hear God's voice because God was like, aren't you happy you're not mourning a, a life, a child? Because there was never a life in my womb, just a pregnancy. And so that really helped me to heal. Hmm. And uh, I did get pregnant like two months after that miscarriage. So that also was helpful to help me heal. So my next birth was um, the catalyst to where I'm at now. So I got pregnant after my supernatural amazing birth. I got pregnant and... I was about nine weeks pregnant and I was going to the bathroom and I, at that point, Angel was my first baby that I, that God named for me. And I did not know that you could ask God to name your children. So my first five children, we just picked cute names and we decided to keep them all A's. So whatever we agreed on is what we named our kids. Well, Angel was the first name the Lord gave me. And so this time I was nine weeks pregnant and I'm like, hmm, what A names could I think of? Well, while I was going to the bathroom, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, you're going to name this child Answer. And I was like, um, that's a really weird name, but it's an A, so okay, that's fine. So I did not know if it was a girl or a boy. A week later, I was driving my kids to soccer practice, and I felt a pop in my body, and I looked down, and I was sitting in a pool of blood in my car. So I turned around, went straight home, called my husband and was like, uh, I'm bleeding everywhere. We need to go to the hospital. And like, I had a trail of blood everywhere I went. So I called the hospital and I said, I am coming. This is what's happening. And the doctor said, you're miscarrying. We can't do anything for you. We can't stop it. Like at this point, it's pretty much already in process. So you should stay home in the comfort of your home, miscarry the baby, and you can bring the baby back to us tomorrow and we'll discard the body. That's what the doctor said to me on the phone. And I was like, I was hysterical. Now the the three months before this, the Lord started teaching me about healing. And there was a guy in our small group that was struggling really bad with health issues. And so I started studying healing so that I could minister to him. And also God had, God healed me of MS. So the MS I had, God healed me uh, when I gave birth to my fourth child. And so I started, I started studying all of this and my faith in healing was built up. Like I knew what the word said at this point about healing. And so I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like I'm not miscarrying. This cannot, this cannot happen. So I go home and I get in the bathtub. I'm pouring blood. So I'm in a red bath. And God said, do not get out of this bathtub until you believe and know that I'm, I've healed your body and I've saved your baby. And I'm like, okay. So I sat in the bath for three hours. I got every scripture God had ever given me about healing. And after three hours, I was convinced and positive that the Lord healed me and that my baby was alive and going to be saved. I got up out of the bath. My bleeding was gone. I went to bed. The next day, the doctor um, asked me to come in and get a sauna. And my baby was there with a heartbeat. And they had no idea. They saw no, no signs of why I would bleed. 
And so I was like, praise God, he healed me. I went back a week later and they found a subchorionic hemorrhage. And they said that I would miscarry for sure some point of the pregnancy. And so I went home and I said, I'm not accepting that. Like the Lord is going to heal me. The Lord is going to heal this baby. He's going to bring this baby to fruition. And so I ended up spending 25 weeks. Well, at this point, it'd be 15 more weeks of constant warfare for my baby, for her life. Um, and the Lord, the thing, the things the Lord told me very clearly was have blinders on. And again, I'm still going to the hospital for all my births. So the Lord spoke very clearly to put blinders on to his word, because every time I took my eyes off of what his word said, I would have people come and say, my sister went through that and she died. My, my cousin had the exact same thing and her baby died. Like every single person, wow. like, I'm not joking. I pull my head out of the word and I got texts, emails. I went to the mall and random people would walk up to me and say it. Like it was obvious spiritual warfare. Wow. Um, and I, I remember I would go to the doctor and they would be like, yeah, it still is there and it's pulling away and you're, you could miscarry any day. Every appointment, they said the same thing. And I said, God, I'm standing in faith. Like I'm believing that I'm healed. Why do I not see it? And he sent me to the verse that said, faith is without seeing. We have to believe it without seeing it. Hmm. And, um, I remember the day that our small group, so the doctor gave me all these pills to take to sustain my pregnancy and to carry my baby through. And she told me to stop being intimate with my husband and to stop doing photography and that I had to be on bed rest. And I went home and I was like, God, I'm praying healing and I'm not doing any of that because when you heal, why would I then operate like I'm not healed? So my small group, we all prayed over me. I threw all the medicine away. Um, I did not stop being intimate. I did not stop photography. In fact, I think I did everything more. And um, I still, I got to 25 weeks. I still had not miscarried. Me and my husband went on a date and we went to a movie and I laughed so hard that I went into labor. I ended up, yeah, I ended up being hospitalized for five weeks. Um, every other day I went into labor and they stopped it with morphine. But I'm telling you, for five weeks, I sat in a hospital room and it was literally a mountaintop experience with God. Um, I have journal after journal after journal where God walked me through what his word says and I have this big number 40. The Lord kept speaking the number 40 to me. So I wrote it in my journal and I said, I'm going to 40 weeks. And the doctor would come in every day and say, any day you're going to go into labor and we're not going to be able to stop it. And I said, don't, don't speak like that. I'm going to 40 weeks. I kept saying that. Well, I didn't go to 40 weeks. At 29 weeks, I went into labor and they couldn't stop it. And, um, I gave birth. It was the most painful birth I've experienced to date. My baby was only three pounds, but the pain was excruciating. It was awful because they had me on magnesium 
and morphine and I mean even on morphine I felt so much pain I even tore with a three-pound baby um, my bladder almost burst like so many things happened and I remember giving birth to this tiny baby I remember saying I'm never having another baby ever in my life it was awful mm. Um, and I was also mad that I didn't go to 40 weeks. So I was 29 weeks giving birth to this tiny baby. I was mad that I didn't go all the way and they took her straight back to the NICU. I'd never had a NICU baby. Um, and I had just spent all this time, like I was leading nurses to the Lord. Um, like God did so many amazing things the five weeks I was in the hospital. And I, had to leave like three days later my baby in the NICU and that was so hard so hard so I remember I was getting ready to go and I was looking in the mirror and I was just like devastated like god I don't want to leave my baby here I don't want to have to go home and like have a baby far away from me and you gave me the number 40 and why did I give birth at 29 weeks and the doctor had told me that my baby would be in the NICU for me do the math for 120 days at the minimum uh, because she needed the same amount of time until her due date and so I was like god I can't I can't I cannot do this I can't have my baby in the NICU this long and the Lord said it wasn't 40 weeks it was 40 days in the NICU you just have to trust me and I said you know what that's crazy 120 days to 40 days I mean I can do 40 days so, okay, I'm going to trust you for 40 days. So I still have six children at home. So I cannot stay in the hospital. They didn't have a room for me to stay in. So I had to go back and forth every day. So every day I would go. And the funniest thing, here's the funniest thing, okay? I have 10 children. The only child that I could get to nurse was my 29-week-old baby that was in the NICU. They'd never even seen a baby that young nursing. She was the youngest baby they'd ever seen nurse. And it is just hilarious that that's the one time that I could actually nurse my child. Um, but anyway, so after she'd been in the NICU for 30, 36 days, me and my husband go up there. We go on a date so I could breastfeed and then we could go on our date. And we go to the NICU and the doctor, I'm like, it's almost time for her to come home. And the doctor comes in and sees us and he said, I'm so sorry, but she isn't doing, she's not eating the way we thought she would. And it's going to be a couple more weeks. Like it could be a month. I'm, he said, she just isn't doing what we thought that she might be able to do. I was devastated. I was like, God, I thought I could hear your voice. What is wrong with me? So I go home, I'm depressed and I'm like, oh, well, whatever. Um, I'll just keep sticking it out. So day 38, I go up there after a really long day of photo shoots and, um, they had a camera on her because she was the longest that they had in the NICU at the time. So I could watch her on a camera. Well, that day I was doing photo shoots all day, so I never got to see her on the camera. So I went up there. It was almost midnight to breastfeed her. And they were like, did you hear the good news? And I said, no, said she's going home tomorrow after her car seat test. She came home exactly on day 40. Wow. 
That's um, amazing. And so my faith has never been the same. It will never be the same. Her birth mm. changed, completely changed the dynamics of our family, the dynamics of my relationship with God, my faith, everything completely changed from that seventh birth. Wow. And I know I'm carrying on really long. Um, I, I'm just, I feel like my next births, they're not as long as that birth, but they're just as impactful. Do you have time? Yep, I'm good. Okay. All right. So everybody told me that I could not continue to get pregnant because that birth was so um, dangerous, I guess, and an, un an unhealthy pregnancy. So I was told by my doctor that I could, she wanted me to stop, like the doctors have wanted me to stop having kids since my second baby. Um, but she knows, she knows my face. And so she was like, you have to at least give it a year. You need to go on birth control. And I said, no, God knows how long my body needs and I will get pregnant in his time. And God gave me an exact year until I got pregnant with my next child. Wow. So everybody told me that, it, that I would never have a healthy baby again, that my body was destroyed. And I remember when I was, um, like 23 weeks pregnant with my, with the baby I just told you about, the Lord said, you are going to have another child and you, it will be, um, a faith test and it will be amazing. And so I just kept holding on to that because I didn't really know that I was going to give birth to an early baby. So God was preparing me for what was to come. So I got pregnant with my ninth baby. No, 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 no. I'm on baby number eight. I got pregnant with my eighth baby and I really, really, really wanted a home birth, like so bad. All my friends were doing home birth, but my husband was not on board. He was not okay with it. He didn't, he doesn't know anything about home birth and he refuses to pay a penny out of pocket. So I was like, okay, this was my plan. I was going to see a doctor, like not very much, but do the, ne the necessary appointments with my doctor and then just accidentally go into labor at home on accident, not tell him I'm in labor and give birth at home on accident. That was my plan. Okay. Um, my pregnancy with the eighth baby was super healthy. It was one of the best pregnancies I've ever had. And I ended up going to 42 weeks, um, which was very, very hard. So I, that it's so funny how God shows out. It is, Amazing. So I went from a 29 week birth to being 42 weeks pregnant. <laughs> when people said I could never carry a baby again, um, like God just loves to show out and it is so fun to watch mm -hmm. him do it. So um, I'm 42 weeks pregnant and my water breaks. And instead of not telling my husband, I go into freak out mode, like my water broke. And I knew I was going to have a quick birth. So I kept trying to stall him. I shouldn't have told him my water broke because my husband is like, let's go right now. So I was like, can you get some gas? Can we go to the mall and walk around? I mean, it was early in the morning. Of course, he stopped to get gas. And I was just like, come on, baby, be born in the car. Hurry up. <laughs> but it didn't happen. So we get to the hospital and... Um, I had researched like birthing positions and all this, and I did not want to give birth on my back. And the doctors have never, ever let me birth any other way but my back. 
And so I just remember God showing me this position, the hands and knees position in my whole pregnancy. And so I was just like, I know that's the position I need to give birth in, but I'm going to the hospital. So when we get to the hospital, the, there's a Christian doctor. And I, at this point still, I had not really met an actual Christian doctor. There was a Christian doctor on call who went to a local church that I'm very well, very familiar with. And she, I was like, can I please, like, I was laying on my back and in so much pain. And I said, can I please get on my hands and knees and on the bed? And she's like, of course. So I get in, I get in my hands and knees position and my pain immediately goes away. And, um, I, the baby, now I, I got the baby out very quickly. So my labor was very, very short, but I forced him out. Um, I just knew that if I wasn't going to force him out, they would have C-sectioned me. He ended up being 10 pounds. No, he was 9.9 pounds. And I had to, like I said, I am not breathing until the baby is pushed out. So I pushed for a long time without taking a breath until he came out. Now I did tear and that was my fault. Um, but he came out. And I did not have pain because I was on my hands and knees. And that is the position the Lord gave me. And so wow. I felt I felt like I had a home birth experience in the hospital. But at this point, I knew what the Lord had shown me, what position to be in. I knew what my rights were, what I could say. Um, I was able to tell the doctors that I wasn't vaccinating. I was able to tell them that I'm not circumcising. I was able to go home less than 24 hours. Like they let me call the shots. And the Lord set it all up perfectly. So it almost felt like a home birth experience, but in the hospital. And that was like my very first good hospital birth. So fast forward to baby number nine. Um, my husband, right before I got pregnant, I was talking to my friend in my house and I was like, I need my husband to let me have a home birth. I'm having a home birth. And so he comes home while me and her are talking in my house. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, home birth. And he goes, okay, fine. We can do that. <laughs> so before I, like, it was probably a week before I found out I was pregnant. Wow. I found out I was pregnant and I decided to do an unassisted, no doctor, pregnancy and birth. So I never saw any doctor at all. I had one sono at 20 weeks to get the gender. Other than that, I never checked up. I never checked the baby. Like those sonos to get the gender, they don't tell you anything about the baby. So I never knew. I mean, I never like um, had confirmed if my baby was healthy or how the pregnancy was going or any of that. I 100% trusted God. So I would fast for one to three days every month until I gave birth um, to grow my faith to be able to home birth and trust God completely. Um, it was the most, this, now this was by far the healthiest pregnancy and the most amazing birth that I've had out of all of my children. Um, I also grew so close to the Lord. Like he taught me all things, everything I needed to know um, to, to give birth. So I could have had a pain-free birth, but because it was my first home birth, like the unexpected and like the little bit of fear that comes in when you are like doing a home birth with no medical professionals, 
I had a little tiny bit of fear only because I had done a birth party the day that I gave birth and I had like 12 other women that came to support me and a lot of them have have had home births and they do have like experience in that so they were just there to praise God with me worship God to um, read verses to me to pray over me and encourage me well my water broke at 9 a.m and I didn't actually feel my first contraction until like 8 p.m. And so I had these women at my house for like 10 hours. And I just felt the pressure of, you need to have this baby so they can go home. And so I think that's the only part of the little bit of pain that I did feel was just like, what's going on? You know, when you're at the hospital, they check you constantly so you know mm -hmm. what to expect. But when you give birth at home, I didn't know what to expect. And that was the hardest part for home birth for me is like, I don't know when the baby's coming or how far I'm dilated. I mean, technically you can check that, but I prefer not to. Mm -hmm. And so it is a complete faith walk and experience with God. And I, I just allowed like Jesus to be my midwife and guide me like the Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me through the whole process. Um, I ended up only like contracting for, I think an hour. And then my baby was born in like the first push. And I got to birth her on my hands and knees. My husband caught her. And it was the most seamless, perfect postpartum, the most perfect birth. Like there was minimal blood, minimal pain. And I'm in my own home. It was just super amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and that baby was, was very small. She was 7'4". But I did tear with her also. So the other thing is I didn't go to, the, to a doctor to get um, stitched or anything. And the Lord healed my tear with no intervention. I went to my doctor like four months after I gave birth. And the doctor told me, um, she said that I, my body looks as if I've never given birth and my tear healed perfectly better than if somebody would have stitched me the doctor told me that i looked better than a woman like she couldn't even tell that i had had nine births and that my um my tear healed better than if a doctor stitched me and so that was just so encouraging to know that the lord has given us everything we need to give birth and that we don't have to be stitched. We don't have to like the things that, that they intervene on are not necessary. It was just super, super, super encouraging. So then my 10th baby, of course, my husband was like, yes, we're doing home birth. Um, I, okay. Actually, after my ninth baby, I had a miscarriage. Um, that was very devastating. So my ninth baby ended up being hospitalized and almost died when she was 11 months old. She got a UTI that went septic and it was like, there were no symptoms of it. So it happened within an hour. Like she got sick and almost died within an hour. It was the, the scariest wow. thing I've ever seen in my life. The only symptom she had was a 99 degree fever and we live in Texas. So it's hard to tell if they're just hot or if it's a fever. Um, but her whole entire body shut down. She couldn't even hold her head up. And I'm talking about within an hour. I've never seen anything like it. The doctors, it took them two years to figure out why. 
Um, it was super, super, super traumatizing and I'm still recovering from the PTSD of it to this mm. day. And it's, um, almost three years later, no, two years yeah. later, but, um, I found out I was pregnant while she was in the hospital and, uh, and while she was in the hospital, I think that I had so much stress and trauma that I was going through. I started bleeding a lot and I went to the doctor and the baby was seven weeks and the baby had a heartbeat. And then three weeks later, I went back to the doctor and the baby had died at seven weeks and never had never, um, gotten, had never grown. So the heartbeat had stopped at seven, at seven weeks. So I was in there at 11 weeks, but my baby was showing seven weeks and gone. So I go home and I tell my children and my daughter said, I told them, I'm sorry, the baby is gone. Um, and my daughter said, mom, just pray for a resurrection. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. So the next 11 weeks, we prayed and believed that God resurrected the baby. I never went back to the doctor because the doctor wanted me, wanted me to do a DNC. And so 11 weeks later, I went back to the doctor and my belly was like growing. So I really thought my baby was fine. But the doctor had told me if I didn't get a DNC, I would die. Um, and I just prayed and had faith that the Lord would, would heal me and that my baby would be fine. So I go back and I'm like 21 weeks at this point. I go back to the doctor to see the baby and there's nothing like my body. There was not a sack or anything. And my doctor comes in and said, um, girl, I've been praying for you because most people in this situation, like you wouldn't have survived this. And she said, your body is a hundred percent healed and you look amazing and you could you can get pregnant anytime. And I, instead of being like devastated that I didn't have a baby, I was so overwhelmed with joy that the Lord saved my life and healed my body. And I prayed for a resurrection. I never ever miscarried the baby. Like nothing ever came out of me, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I never saw the, the miscarriage. Um, and so I really do believe that the Lord resurrected the baby out of my body um, and made my body whole. And then uh, soon after that, I got pregnant with my 10th. Um, and my 10th, we did another home birth. And I went to 42 weeks. My, my pregnancy, I saw a doctor up until 20 weeks because my husband was very scared about the miscarriage we had just gone through. So I went to my doctor up to 20 weeks. I only saw her twice. I didn't do any of the testings that they do at the hospital. And she, I ended up having placenta previa, which by the way is very common and like 98% of the time resolves itself. It's not something to be worried about, mm -hmm. but she just tracked me. And at 20 weeks, my placenta moved and I was cleared to have a home birth. So my doctor was like, okay, I'm, I can release you. I'm not going to see you anymore. You can go get, you can go have your home birth. So, um, fast forward to the birth, I'm at 42 weeks and everybody is telling me how dangerous it is to, to go that far in your pregnancy. Um, I am feeling huge. My water breaks, uh, I believe again at 9am, I have all my friends come over and, um, I sit, no, it was not 9am. Sorry. My water broke at 2pm. 
We were actually headed out the door to go to a basketball game and my water broke. And I was very angry because we were supposed to go to the Harlem Globetrotter basketball game. We got free tickets. So my whole family was going to go with my mom. My mom had come in town thinking that I would already had my baby and she was going to help me with postpartum. But I hadn't had my baby. And so it was her last day with us. And she was supposed, she has, was supposed to go to the Globetrotter game with us. So I was very upset that my water broke before we were going to do something fun. <laughs> like it was not the day I had planned. Like I yeah. had written out specific requests to God. I want a morning birth. I want uh, my photographer to be there. I want it to be on this exact day. You know, like I had this plan that I had asked God for. And I will tell you, not one of my uh, requests were met. <laughs> and so my birth, the anger that I had, like my mom does not support home birth. So I was very frustrated that she was there because she seemed very annoyed i had my friends over and like my mom was just she doesn't like to have a lot of people over she didn't understand why i was doing a birth party um my friend uh, my contraction started the second my water broke like intense heavy and fast and so i thought the baby would just like fall out that is not what happened um, my friend got in my head and was like your baby's in the wrong position and you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this. And so I started to freak out. Like, what if the baby gets stuck? What if I don't, what if the baby is breached? What if, you know, like I had all these what ifs and I had all my friends like freaking out, which they did not do the birth before. Um, I had a whole wall full of prayers. So I told my husband, like, let's go in my bathroom and separate myself from everybody and I remember sitting on the toilet saying, I want, I want a C-section right now. I was in so much pain. And of course, he said, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. Drive me to the hospital right now and get me a C-section. I, I cannot handle this pain. And so I went to my room and got like every position I got in, the pain was unbearable. I got in the hands and knees position that always would take the pain away in my other births. I couldn't even get in the position. The pain was so bad. And so while I was laboring, there was only one position that I had minimal pain in. And it was when I was laying, like my husband was, was on his knees and I was laying over his back. It was the only position that I had minimal pain. And so the Holy Spirit brought that back to my mind and said, this is the position you're going to give birth in. Um, and so I ended up, my husband caught the baby back. Like he would, he couldn't see because my head was pushed in, like my body was pushed into his head. So he could not see, he caught the baby blind. He couldn't see. Um, I was leaning on him. So all of my weight was on him while he was catching the baby. And I know he was in a lot of pain because the, the weight and the position I was in, um, and the baby's head, like I'm telling you, this was the one of the hardest births I've ever had. The baby's head came out, but I was in so much pain and I was so exhausted. I'd been, I had been pushing for so long or my body had been pushing for so long. And that's the other thing. I knew that the baby, because everybody was like, when's the baby coming? When's the baby coming? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm dilated, right? Hmm. And the, I was like, Holy Spirit, please show me. Show me when... I'm, when the baby is going to come, when I need to push. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, your body will start pushing. 
Like you will feel that there's a name for it where your body pushes on its own. The, the fetal ejection reflex. Yes. Yes. So as soon as I felt my body start to push, I knew that it was time. And that's exactly what happened. My body started to push. So I got in that position that the Holy Spirit reminded me of. And the head came out. But my I don't know if anyone's ever had this experience. I never have with any of my other births. But the my muscles and my body were done. They were used up. Like I there was no such thing as pushing. I couldn't I had net I had no muscles. I felt like my body was spaghetti. I could not do anything. So his head came out, but I couldn't get his body out. So his head was out for like five minutes. And I was like, I don't know what to tell y'all, but I can't, there's nothing like, there's no muscles in my body. I can't push anything else out. I was uh, really scared. I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I just like bore down and eventually his body came out. And it was such a relief. Um, he ended up, I ended up, I did have a lot of blood. Um, he was a huge baby. So he was 10 pounds and one ounce. And he looked like he was six months old when he came out. <laughs> he was like not super fat, but very, very long and like big, like a big body, the biggest head I've ever seen in my life. If you see him now, he's eight months old and he wears two T clothes. Like he's wow. almost the size of my two-year-old. He's a huge baby. That's wild. Um, but hours after, like six hours after he was born, all my friends had gone home and I was sleeping. Um, he woke up grunting a lot and he wouldn't stop. Like for an hour he was grunting and he refused, like he started breastfeeding and then he refused to breastfeed. He refused to do anything. He wouldn't like sleep. He wouldn't eat. And so we took him to the emergency room and that was the worst experience ever. That is an another story for another time. But I ended up being hospitalized for like three days with an infection. Um, they don't even know what kind of infection. They just gave me antibiotics and it eventually went away. And then he was hospitalized for over 19 days. Um, he had fluid in his lungs and then they said he had another infection, which I don't believe he had. He never had any symptoms other than fluid in his lungs, but they were really upset that I had a home birth and they treated us really bad because we don't vaccinate. It was just a really bad experience. But at the end of the day, the Lord preserved him. They told me he was going to die when he was like two days old. And so I ended up having like really bad post PTSD from what my daughter had gone through and postpartum mm -hmm. depression. And I didn't even want to see him for the first week because they told me he wasn't going to live and I couldn't, I didn't want to get attached, you know, mm. it was just really, really, really hard. Um, and then when a week after he came home, my daughter was hospitalized again with a UTI that we couldn't even tell she had. And she had to relearn how to walk all over again, walk and talk, oh. and sit up. So it's been a really hard year. All of this happened in the beginning of this year. Um, but my daughter's doing great now. I believe she's healed. And my son is huge and amazing. And he did live. We refused to let the doctors bring that death into the room. We knew he was fine. And um, 
they just were really upset that we had a home birth and that we didn't vaccinate. So they took it out on us, but God gets the final say. And no matter what we go through as mothers and in motherhood, our children are worth every second of every bit of pain and sorrow. And I'm just so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful that I got to go through those experiences because even if I did, if I didn't go through those, I wouldn't have my children and they are just such a blessing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you've had quite the, um, you know, you've evolved from, you know, your first where you just went in blind, which is what most women do. And to now where you can surrender and, and let the Lord lead you into, um, how he designed you to birth. And I think it's beautiful to be able to lean in and hear him that way. I think that's like such an encouraging testimony of your faith and, um, what can happen when we can fully surrender and listen to how he's leading. It's amazing. Yes. It's definitely been sanctifying for sure. Mm -hmm. And then not to mention after, after my daughter got out of the hospital, I did end up getting pregnant again and then miscarrying within a week. So it has definitely been a hard year, mm. but we're still trusting God to give us more children. If he, if that's his will, mm -hmm. we are open to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, you know, a beautiful way to live. Like you had mentioned in the beginning of how he, you know, changed your heart to be that way. How, you know, you trust God with everything else and why not right. with your womb and your family size. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of sense. Not yeah. A lot of people look at it that way. I don't think. Well, I'd never heard of it that way either. And when God gave me that truth, I didn't know anyone that lived it out or even thought that. And I thought that, man, I must be really crazy. Like, why? I don't know why I would be the only person in the world that came to this conclusion. But um, God ended up giving me, if anyone is curious about um, that belief or that thought, the book that, I mean, the Bible, I believe when you read the Bible in a year front to back, it confirms that for sure that it's always saying God opens and closes the womb. Um, and like many women do not, 10 children, doesn't. it does not mean you're going to have 10 to 20 children. It could mean you're going to have 10 to 20 children. But I know so many women that have never prevented or um, used any birth control and they've only had two children or zero children or five. A lot of women I know have seven. Like seven seems to be the number a lot of wombs close at. Um, but God will, he says it in the Bible all the time, God will open and close the womb. Mm -hmm. And a book that's been really helpful is Be Fruitful and Multiply by Nancy Campbell. Um, it's only like $4 on eBay. And all she does is walk you through what the Bible says about it. So I, I, I try to, to stick to biblical only. And that's why I love her book. She just walks you through. It's not her opinion or her life or anything. It is what the Bible says about it, and then the history of where birth control and just the idea of family planning came from. It is so eye-opening, and like you cannot read that book and think that there isn't an agenda in this world to depopulate the earth and to depopulate Christians. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of darkness surrounding that for sure. That's yeah. slowly 
I think a lot of that started coming to light with the whole COVID thing, in my opinion, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. might sound kind of conspiracy, but... I don't know. Um, yeah. COVID opened a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, COVID has been a blessing to just mm-hmm. open the eyes of people. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. Um, do you have any resources that you used besides the Supernatural Childbirth book and um, the Be Fruitful and Multiply book that you mentioned. Yes. Um, yes, there is. Yeah, yeah, there is. Okay, so I found this. Um, I don't know if you've heard of her, Nissa Andrews. No, she has a book called Pain-Free Childbirth. And it is mind-blowingly amazing. Even if you are not pregnant or giving birth, if you are past your um, childbearing years, this book is life giving it is mostly about faith i mean she she applies it to pregnancy and childbirth but it is the most amazing book that i've found in a long time so i definitely recommend you can get it on amazon it's called pain-free childbirth by nissa andrews and it is amazing Mm. and it will grow your faith it will grow your relationship and your belief in god and in the bible also And I mean, besides those three resources, the Bible is your best resource. I would Mm -hmm. definitely go to the Bible before you go to any of the other things. But the good thing is all those those three books, they apply the Bible. So they all encompass each other. Yeah. Okay. We can put that information in the show notes so anyone can easily find it. Um, And then my last question is I always like to ask if there was one piece of advice regarding um, going into your first birth um, that you would want to give a mom who's you know preparing for that first time birth what's one thing that you feel like is a must know that she should she should know oh that's a hard question (laughs) Um, I think that my only advice for any birth is to just trust God that our bodies are made for this, that it is not scary, that we don't need to fear birth or pregnancy, and that we can give it to God and trust Him through the whole process. Hmm. And if you do that, you will have victory always. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your stories and your testimonies of all that God has done along the way. And, um, yeah, all the things that you've learned and gone through on your birth journeys, it's really encouraging for me to hear, and I'm sure it'll encourage others as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for having me and sorry. It's, um, a lot in a long podcast. I've been, I've had a lot of experiences, but I appreciate you letting me share them all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you were encouraged in some way through this story. As a reminder, please rate and review our podcast and you can connect with us on social media at birth journeys podcast. For more information or to share your own story, please visit birthjourneyspodcast.com and fill out the brief questionnaire. See you next time.